0: this is continuum drag a weekly podcast for visiting television sci-fi fantasy and everything in between this week star cops episodes seven and eight cyrus teal's wife takes the baby what does teal do he uh, impregnates someone more reliable. Yeah, but
1: Tia was a geneticist. Suppose he makes a copy. One skin cell is all he needs. He gets it to replicate, he finds a foster mother. What have you got?
0: What have you got? Well, you got two James Bannermans, that's what you've got. What do you think? What you've got, Nathan, is a very complicated solution to a very simple problem. We just have a high-class kidnapper who happens to have a very good alibi. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast about interoffice politics. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan?
1: I have a bit of wisdom from StarCops, which is, why go fishing when your net is full of holes?
0: Oh, I mean, there's never
1: been a truer sentence. It's true. That's true. And that's pretty much all I got from these two episodes. That classic bit of wisdom. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, man. Uh, Well... Before we get started, Jordan, I've got a little game for us to play. Nice. Uh, I've, t- I've taken one of your classics and retrofitted it because I don't have anything to do this week. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? We're going to do a game, or you are anyway, where you pick, uh, I guess, your favorites Your favorites from the Star Cops cast. Oh, okay. You know, it's that twist. It's that twist. It's uh, For this week, I'm calling it recruit to be a Star Cop. Mm-hmm. Take to a restaurant they've been repeatedly telling you they don't want to go to. <laughs>
1: That's a good one, yeah.
0: Or uh, have the Space Mafia put a hit
1: on. I see. Okay.
0: Uh, So you're going to marry, kill, or have a nice time with someone. (laughs) Yeah. You get it. You get it. We get it. We get it.
1: I'm I'm glad this is a very PG podcast.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I say the F word every episode several (laughs) times, but for some reason here, I'm not going to. (laughs) Round one, Jordan. Yeah. We've got our, uh, I guess, we're going to call them our three male leads here. Nathan Spring, David Thoreau, and Colin Davis. He's cuddly, if you haven't heard. Hmm.
1: You know, I think, uh, what was the the really good option?
0: Well, if you're going to uh, recruit him to be a Star Cop, he's going to be in your life forever. Yeah,
1: I'm recruiting Colin because I think he's, weirdly of this show, the most three-dimensional character. I'm going to put a mafia hit on uh, uh, Nathan. Is that what the option? Okay. And then, that's, an op- that's the option. And who's left? Alex Alex or David? Who was David, left? David Thoreau. So David's going to be... Uh, I don't remember what my other option is.
0: You're going to take him to that restaurant he keeps oh, talking Oh, yeah, about yeah. Him. I'm
1: going to take him to a restaurant. That's right. Yeah, so that's my options. <laughs> <All right. laughs> this will be much smoother for next round. <laughs> I think those are reasonable, reasonable uh, assumptions well, here. Well, what it is is I'm I've lost my love for Nathan.
0: Yeah, and here's the funny part: is I actually think Colin Devers is a badly
1: written character. Like he's just like he's com- he's, like- he's like the comedic element, but I still kind of like him.
0: No, for sure. But, like, the problem is that comedic element that's written as, like, the most sexist kind of, like, abuse, like, kind of—he's badly written, but the actor who's playing him is just doing a great job. He's, like, doing such a good job with the character, you can't help but like him.
1: Yeah. Actually, I think the, the cast is uniformly good in this show. I just don't think the writing is the same.
0: They're doing their best with the material yeah. they're given. But you're right. It's very funny watching them. I'm just like, I'm also like, I like when Cullen's on, but at times he can be so detestable. And I'm like, this act is just really <laughs> yeah. elevating material that he's yeah. just being forced to work with.
1: Well, I'm like, is he going to say something offensive? Something racist? Something uh, despicable and something else? You never know.
0: You never know. Uh, round two. These are, these are, I tried to do female leads here, but we didn't have enough of them. So mm. uh, I, you're going to have an addition to this one. We've got Pal Kenzie, yep. our Australian. Yeah, Anna Shun, our uh, person from Japan, mm-hmm. and uh, our gone but not forgotten Lee Jones, former girlfriend of Nathan Spring.
1: Oh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put a mafia hit on Lee Jones because she didn't make any uh, any real significant uh, fair enough you know bearings on my life as opposed to the other two have made great great uh, strides. Uh, I'm going to take kenzie to the restaurant and i'll take anna Uh, i'll recruit anna i think she's the least detestable of the characters
0: she truly i mean she is if only because it's clear that the writer was forced to bring her in now he doesn't want to do anything
1: (laughs) you know not to cut your game too long here but there's too many characters we've said it before it's like there's they just don't know what to do with the characters in this show
0: yeah it was a little fun side note i was reading a bit about the show you may have read this already too at some point he's the uh creator of the show um novelized the episodes and uh he did not have the rights to use Anna anishun because he did not create that character another writer who, who wrote that episode did so he i believe he rewrote her as a uh, scottish person or an irish person oh weird well i'm glad we kept the nationalism theme going i suppose it was just very funny to me i'm just like oh yeah i guess you're right you don't own that character because they su- they made you add them and then you didn't write that <laughs> it's weird all right round three. This one was a little harder to fill, so this is a bit of a, a bit of a grab bag of characters for you. Okay, round three, you've got to choose from Alexander Kravenko, our uh, Russian guy, who's the commander of the moon base.
1: Yeah, which, by the way, I didn't realize he was the commander until like these last two episodes. I didn't really know what he was doing.
0: He's like the—he's not a commander exactly. He's the coordinator. Yeah, he's like—he took over for that uh, Italian guy who killed all those people. Right, in right. <laughs> As happens. You've got Commander Griffin, uh, that American, that American stereotype, chopping that cigar. Yeah, yeah. And finally, your final option you could do something with is Box.
1: Oh, Box. Oh, well, I think uh, I hated that American guy, so he's getting a hit on him via the Space Mafia. Uh, I'm going to take Alex to the restaurant he doesn't want to go to. I think he'd make a good uh, lunch date. And I'm gonna keep box with me. Clearly, the most valuable thing to have with you. So I'm gonna uh, keep box with me. Uh, recruit them and keep me, with, keep them with me forever.
0: Sounds great. I mean, you're a real Nathan Spring in that way. <laughs>
1: Am I? What, would you Would you do the you just same? Love,
0: you love that box,
1: <laughs> but I think that's the best options, isn't it? You're probably not wrong. I, I don't disagree. I mean, I did like that American character. I liked hating him. You know.
0: Yeah. Oh, he great villain. Yeah. Top notch villain. Yeah.
1: Just chomping away. <laughs>
0: Talking about how pools the true American sport. <laughs> yeah, does anyone
1: feel that way? No one. Oh, that was the first time I've heard that, but uh, maybe someone out there. Yeah, like Paul Newman in The Hustler. That's about it. Well, that was fun, right? Yeah, it was fun. Well, you know what? You know what? The interesting thing about the game is, at all times, this has a very large cast, which we said we had. they have uh, issues dealing with, but there's not a lot of uh, extraneous characters in this show. You'll have people that'll kind of come and go, except weirdly... One of these episodes where they've essentially almost introduced two new characters, this engineer and his assistant, who get almost as much screen time as the actual characters in the show.
0: I mean, it is. I guess it is. You're right. They, the issue is they're, they're solving mysteries, so you end up having to bring in characters to, like, investigate, but then you end up giving them so much screen time because you have to investigate them.
1: Well, it's, well but I guess my point is, was rather clumsily uh, put out there is if you watch a show like Star Trek, for example— you get the sense that there's a lot of other people that are working on this ship and doing things, even if they're not featured. On Star Cops, I feel like they're the only people on the ship. I know that's not how it is, and it's probably a budgetary thing, but that's the kind of sense I get. Is like, here's your major characters, we still don't really know what to do with them, but they're the only ones around.
0: <laughs> I mean, we'll get into it.
1: All right, well, that's a, that's a good lead, I guess.
0: It's a great transition. Here's the IMDb summary for episode 7 a double life mystery surrounds a world-famous pianist accused of kidnapping and ransoming embryos from Moonbase. Anna Schoon and D- colin Devis investigate and ultimately confront what turns out to be the clone of the accused pianist and that was courtesy
1: of gus f classic gus f this is a weird one and i don't know if it's because of my attention and the episode but a lot of times i was like what is happening that was, that was my <laughs> feeling on this episode
0: well, I mean, this one, it it's, uh, starts out kind of an interesting set, at least. They're like in this, apparently it's a semi-finished hospital on the moon. It's like this multi-tiered design with elevators going up and mm-hmm. down. And I was like, oh, what's this place? Um, but apparently it also has terrible security because someone has broken in. They're just stealing embryos out of, I guess, cold storage of this of this hospital. Yeah, but
1: it's not really clear at first what they're stealing. We find out it's embryos because it's sort of... um. It's sort of like a wall of containers, like, you know, futuristic shelving, and you just see this, like, whoever this mysterious person is opening them and stealing something, is all we know. But we find out, yes, it's someone's embryos.
0: Yes, and these and these embryos belong to a wealthy member of the Asadi family, which I guess in, in this particular world is a, a bit of a stand-in for, I guess, the, maybe the Saudi royal family is the stand-in.
1: Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what ethnic background these people were supposed to have, because it seemed like a very, like, North American white lady with, like, a scarf on her head. I mean, we talked about this last week, and they've continued the trend
0: this week. It is the, uh, what what uh, what culture do we want to stereotype this week? And uh, they've chosen the Middle East
1: this yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, and again, it sort of gets there to the Middle East, but I, I do still feel like there's only the briefest of research done in terms of the culture and uh, just everything from dress to just everything it's just like is so it, and i don't know if it was purposed to be as vague as possible but it comes comes across as kind of lazy
0: yeah I, I i think it's probably a little more on the lazy side and i think we saw this we discussed it last week but with the episode in japan as well like the the ceo uh who ran that japanese company it's quite clear that they were hiring from a pool of british actors mm-hmm. so anna shun at least is a japanese actress it feels like whereas the guy they hired for that Felt a lot more British, sort of uh, pretending to be German, right, and in right. this case, it kind of leans that way again. Like perhaps the acting pool did wasn't that deep in in Britain at the time. Yeah.
1: the The important thing though is they're going to be there is going some inherent uh, cultural friction between the space cops, Star Cops, excuse me, <laughs> the space cops and whoever these royal family are.
0: Yes. Yes. The Assadis. Um, essentially, this man has, uh, they keep calling it, they've kidnapped her embryos because I, I couldn't quite understand. I think there may be fertilized embryos from her dead, she's used her dead husband's sperm for, but they haven't like put them into
1: whatever. Maybe you caught this because I didn't. There's supposed to be this inherent tension for the viewer of, oh no, this is so important. But did they ever explain why her embryos were so precious to her? Like I understand the basic idea that, there is you know she has frozen them for a reason but i didn't get the sense that like oh this is because there's an importance of the family line and if they go their their fortune goes or something like that i didn't catch that
0: no and i mean i think that that's the question i think i mean i get i get that that's probably the idea like i think because they're like a wealthy seemingly royal family that makes sense to me but why they never quite and they specified her husband who is an arms dealer was currently dead but i just didn't understand like so were they they never really fully got it, but there was like, there's three embryos. They're the only embryo she has for some reason, and he's kidnapped
1: them, and he wants $50 million, and he'll give them back. Correct me if I'm wrong, Luke. I don't think they've mentioned before is they say in this episode that she's sort of a, or her and her family are sort of ma- major benefactors uh, for financing of the space station where they work. So thus, she has at the very least... Um, to be treated with a certain amount of respect and at most as maybe uh, can have some sort of interference in decisions that are made because of this money. Now, my point is, have they mentioned this in previous episodes of the economic system in which the world is working?
0: I also found this confusing myself because the idea is like, oh, this is a very this person puts a lot of money in the moon base. We can't make them angry. They're building the hospital like that's part of why the hospital exists on the moon. But it's also like I was also confused because there became this whole thing about like I'm like, isn't I thought this was an international project, this moon base. So various international concerns are already involved. Like, why is there now like private benefactors? Like, yeah, I I was a little confused as to what the (laughs) it, it confused the issue. Now it felt a little more like it was like. So It it felt a lot more slipshod this whole operation suddenly, but I don't know
1: what the purpose was. Well, I think because they're trying to set up the stakes of, uh, you know, because what you really get is the push and pull that Alex is really pushing Nathan to solve this crime and push how important it is and, and sort of the optics of everything because of how important these people are. But it's something that it's not a, necessarily a bad idea. I just think they could have seeded that earlier on and had talked about, why this is sort of important and maybe had this be a somewhat serialized idea throughout because it just feels like they threw it in and it doesn't really it doesn't really make much sense with what we've learned before
0: i mean it was there mostly to serve the story because the the point is is alex kravanko the coordinator is like we can't make them angry so you have to just tell them when you find a suspect to calm them down even though we know because they are a international terrorist organization or something like there's just all these like weird things they're like we know as soon as you tell them who the suspect is they're going to kidnap and torture them so there's like it, like there's this weird thing to set them up as like semi-villains which is it's all very confusing and like the need for Kravenko to tell them is just like doesn't make a lot of sense but they need it to happen to push the plot forward yeah
1: it's it's very confusing but you you mentioned it. the basic plot of this episode is that Alex is sort of pushing to not exactly just arrest anybody, but it's almost to that point. It's like, as good as you're going to get, let's just close this case. It's that sort of classic thing you see in cop shows. You know, the the lieutenant's like, just close the case because we want to just finish it and move on because because of the public image of it.
0: Yeah, you give them a suspect, they'll take care of the rest and problem solved. <laughs> yeah, problem solved, yeah. Um, although what I did like is he, these these embryos this man has kidnapped. uh, when he, when he calls
1: in with the <laughs> ransom demands, he, he disposes of them in the best way possible. Yeah, so let me ask you. What it seems like to be, and I could be wrong, is he sort of calls and he's on a video screen. And he has like a teacup, what I assume is like acid. And he just slowly dips the embryos into the acid, killing them.
0: Am, am I correct? That is, that is correct. Uh, the effect is very good because it's like this... He's got them in like what looks like a little USB key. They're like a little rectangle piece of metal with a glass piece. And when he dips them in and pulls them out, they become jelly. So whatever the props department came up with to make them become jelly and melt looked very good.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was good. I mean, it was just like a, a sort of like, can you believe I'm doing this on screen? Tss, there goes one embryo. <laughs> I'm
0: melting them. Yeah. With these things kidnapped, we end up in this sort of lockdown of the moon sequence where they're like... You know shut the place down we got to find the kidnapper um and this is kind of to show that we've got a new star cop anna Shun, who got recruited last week and it's like her first basically day on the job it feels like and things go a little bit awry for her she, they're they're trying to keep people there's like checkpoints on the moon they're trying to keep people from leaving without like looking into who they are and at one of the checkpoints she's working the kidnapper walks by and uh, like sprays her with knockout
1: gas yeah <laughs> Yeah, again, we've mentioned this time and time again now talking about this show. any sort of uh, physicality or stunts or action scenes are not directed particularly well. And so it just kind of, this again, comes across as funny. Someone walks in, just like sprays her in the face and she's like, bah! and then she's knocked out. And it's like, oh, that's, that's some powerful spray head there.
0: Yeah, and this sort of seeds the B plot of Anna Shun trying to like find her feet as a new star cop with no previous law enforcement training. And then the other thing of Divas
1: being mean to her because she's not as good as him and he's just okay. Let's be honest. It seems like it's a somewhat race-related issue. Yeah, well, it's certainly sex-driven because he explicitly says, I don't like female crap Yeah, so it's like, and again, <laughs> I like that character. But it's just like, anytime there's some terrible dialogue or personality trait, they'll just throw it on him.
0: I mean, and that is just a, and later they'll have their uh, come to jesus moment where they realize they're both good cops together or something you know yeah. It's that's the seed of it although i did like because shun's the only one who's got the chance to see the assailant when, before she was knocked out they use this crazy like computer sketch program which is just this computer program that looks like it's like
1: showing you flashes of different badly drawn faces and she's like those lips uh-huh well that's what i liked about it is you know I, i'm i'm all a big fan of this sort of like it's something we have now, but a futuristic version of it. And we're going to see uh, something in, a, in, I don't know if it's in this episode. Actually, it's, no, it's the next episode. Uh, the same sort of thing. But uh, in this one, it's a technology they've created that is worse than having someone simply draw it. Like, it just is, it's just there's no way this is an effective way of putting together someone's face. But it looks fun. I'm oh, sorry, I was going to mention. It's and very the, funny. The, in the next episode, we have something similar with people playing cards. Where it's like, how do we make cards more futuristic? Let's make it harder to play. <laughs> but she uses this sketch program, and when she's
0: done, she's like, "Huh, the person I have dictated a sketch of—he sure looks like that world famous concert pianist, <laughs> James Banner." Yeah, that was Alipa. I was just like trying to imagine. I'm just like, oh, what are, who are the who are today's world famous concert pianists? Yeah, who I recognize by sight.
1: It has to serve the 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 plot, so sure, why not? But it is a bit of a, a needle in a haystack. It's true, and you know they find it unlikely
0: that it's this this person, but they do some digging into his background and discover there's uh, there's a connection to the Asadi family between him. So uh, maybe there's something going on. Apparently, uh, Bannerman's estranged father. He was a geneticist who specialized in cell replication before the governments banned the practice of cell replication, and apparently the Assadis had invested quite heavily in his research before it was banned, and uh, since they never got any return on their investment, they had him assassinated?
1: Yeah, but I'm going to mention, we'll come back to that, I'm going to mention something that was more important to me. Did you catch what year the pianist was born?
0: Uh, what, what, what year was it? 1995. 1995.
1: <laughs> He's done a lot in his life. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Much yeah, more than yeah. Us. Uh, t- to your point, there's a sort of convoluted, uh, there was some sort of assassination before, and this gives him motive, and also maybe they're evil, they- they're trying to get a lot across with very little, and it all just kind of comes across as messy, at least I think so.
0: Well, and this is where they kind of tip their hand on the rest of the episode, too, is like, The the, his dad was a geneticist who specialized in cell reproduction. So at this point, as like a halfway savvy Eizum, you're like, oh, there's a clone. Yeah. And we have to wait so long for anyone else to even like
1: broach the idea that there's a clone involved in this. There's something that happens at the very end of this episode is really dumb, but is the idea that cloning is still very underground, but they know of it, correct? There, I think what the idea is is they're going to be like, hey.
0: Cloning is possible in this world, but I think much like, I think, um, you know, on Star Trek, how they had that thing where, like, what's that guy, uh, Khan, who was, like, genetically modified, yes. and that was banned years ago. I think the idea is just, like, it's just interesting the idea that cloning is a possibility in this world, but everyone thought it was banned, so no one's really thinks about clones when it's happening, which, fine— Fair enough, but like it takes them a little too long. As soon as they find out he, his dad, their dad's a geneticist who like specialized in basically cloning. It takes them so long to get to the idea that there might be a clone involved.
1: Well, it's a good point because really, at least how this is outlined, it's only almost the only thing it could be. Do you know what I mean? It's not like absolutely they've given a whole bunch of other options. It's like, oh, it's this guy. It looks just like him. His dad uh, was into cloning. I wonder what it could be. It's like it's clearly the only thing. Well, and they tip the hand to the audience immediately because I believe
0: the episode even starts on Bannerman performing a concert in Rome, so you know it's not him. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's, which is fine. Like this is a perfectly workable science fiction mystery. Like two people have the same genetic makeup. Who is it? It's just that like as we'll go through this episode, you'll see the mystery itself is just like so boringly executed yeah. that there's just no fun to it. Because they go down, basically, they sent Thoreau to Earth to interview this Bannerman character to find out, you know, does he have an alibi? He does. It's a perfectly airtight alibi. He was at a concert, and then he came back to his pink and black apartment, which is an amazing piece of set design.
1: It is. yeah. It's at all times really interesting and super hideous to look at.
0: Oh, it is. It is the most garish thing to look at. It's, it's only two shades. This entire set is built <laughs> of two shades, pink and black. Yeah. So you're looking at, like— just a mind melting place. You would never want to live there, but you would 100% want to Instagram some photos from
1: it. Yeah, I like. By the way, also, it, it feels like they didn't do a lot of research in what the life of a, a like a professional pianist or professional musician would be. Because there's just a, lo- a bunch of weird things. Like he's just practicing, and then like he'll be like, "Oh, I guess I got to go to my concert in 10 minutes," and they're like, "Don't worry, we found a replacement for your." You're I was like, what is happening? This, I don't think this is how this world works, but, anyways, it's not consequential to the plot at all. Well, as you see from his apartment, Jordan, if you're a classical pianist, the only thing in your apartment is a big empty room with a piano. On the <laughs> yeah, front. yeah, well, because the rest of his apartment is mostly stairs and banister. <laughs> I actually don't
0: think there's a place for Throw to sit while he hangs out there, I think he just sits <laughs> on a stair. <laughs> it's true, but essentially, Throw's there, they interview him, air type alibi, but they give him a. a so he pulls out some weird briefcase machine and they call it a they get they chest his chromosomal fingerprint and it's an exact match to the one they had found i guess at the In.
1: which i love because it, they didn't just check his fingerprint they've checked his chromosomal his chromosomal fingerprint. fingerprint do you think though that david is now that he's now a, a dickhead character he's overtly aggressive in this scene for no reason because that's how i felt yeah, I mean, he's just taking lessons from Nathan. Like this is how Nathan would behave in the scene too—just really aggressively mean. Well, it just it's—it didn't serve any purpose even in the story. He comes in, and even if you think this guy's the murderer, you can still have a civil conversation. But he's just like at all times, almost yelling at him right off the bat. And it's just like, why? This doesn't make any sense. He really wants the guy he's interviewing as a suspect to really put up a lot of walls. He's just like, <laughs> exactly how many walls. Can I get this guy to put up? Yeah, I want him to be
0: as as little helpful as possible. They've been flummoxed by how this crime could have happened for far too long in the episode by this point. But finally, they clue into the idea that this guy's dad was into cloning. And because I think Kenzie does some throwaway line about like, it's almost as if he had a twin or something. And they're like, wait, maybe when bannerman's mom took him away as a small baby from his father his father who's into cloning wanted his own son so he just made a new son maybe someone should look into school records of what his dad paid for it. And sure enough in school records his dad was paying for a kid to go to school yeah. and they
1: like look up the kid and just like an exact match to this bannerman character so let me stop us here though the clone the bad clone in his plan he clearly shows his face right he has no problem them seeing what he looks like he has no problem i guess he's, setting he's lived up the his whole life as well, that's this the thing. person but like he's he has no problem setting up his brother but why not just not show yourself at all or not give them any hints for that sort of thing like it seemed like is it just supposed to be hubris like i don't understand well, how I mean, that helps him speaking, he never especially speaking, he never shows his face on the ransom
0: calls, but clearly he's not, like, a very good criminal because, like, you know, he leaves a chromosomal fingerprint. Like, it's not too hard to start figuring out, like, who it is. Right. And I don't know. They leave an idea through the episode that maybe maybe this is some sort of both revenge for the Asadi family killing his father, but he's also getting revenge on his clone brother— not being a family member to him despite the fact that like this guy has no idea he exists there's a whole they like start building these layers that don't add up in any way
1: that's basically what it is he has sort of a two-headed goal to his thing which is to punish this family and also to punish his half-brother or duplicate or whatever you want to say for reasons that are unknown yeah and you know get 50 million dollars while he's at it yeah isn't that enough though like, how, how many reasons does he have to have? He'd just be like, I wanted this money. How many reasons do you need? Actually, that would be almost a more interesting plot, isn't it? That you just have two people that are genetically the same, but are raised in different ways and become different people. And one, he just wants money and he just doesn't care. I mean, I think it's at least less convoluted. Certainly less convoluted. Like, he's just like, you just happen to have a twin
0: brother you didn't know about. He doesn't know about you. And he's just a sloppy ass criminal.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Anyway, this is about the point where Kravanko is just like, he's just chomping that a bit to give the Asadi some sort of information to get them off his back. So uh, he, he basically just like calls up and says, yeah, uh, it was Bannerman. Go, uh, go, go kidnap Bannerman from Earth
1: and I guess torture him or whatever you want to do. Yeah. And Nathan's angry because he's basically like, you've just sent, you know, this lamb to the slaughter. And we don't we don't think it's him because I think Nathan the whole time is sort of on the fence you know he's not quite sure he does he doesn't want to you know uh, he doesn't want he to no, land yeah. on anything
0: yeah he's 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 like the airtight. the alibi is there so we have to investigate more like we just don't know the answers yet and then once they think about five pair the clone they're like well it's clearly not him but and we get like we get a scene where like throws at the apartment and then uh, a bunch of people dressed all in black suddenly busted and like use use more of this knockout gas they've introduced they're just like spraying everybody in the face with knockout gas in this episode
1: let me mention though <laughs> the star cops Each and every one of them are terrible at any sort of uh, physical confrontations. Like, we've seen Nathan get beaten up by a roller skater. We've seen Anna get sprayed in the face. We've seen David knocked out at least three times. Like, they never get the upper hand in a fight. Like, I think their training is not very good.
0: Well, I can't excuse necessarily uh, Nathan or Divas, but the other three Star Cops Never went through any police training. They That's are not true. qualified to be police officers. <laughs> they yeah, wanted, two of them are engineers who just got like volunteered in
1: this position. And Anna Shun showed up last week, and she's a general physician. <laughs> it is interesting. You'd almost think they would have some sort of uh, that added into a plot line of the series that you have the rather large learning curve of these people becoming police officers in space.
0: Yeah, I, I mean. I think there's a, there's, you know, it's the problem with the show is like there's something interesting about this like poorly equipped, poorly financed wing of like law enforcement in space who's not given the resources they need. And so hence their, their people are Mm -hmm. like recruited from all walks of life and just don't have the ability to do their job properly. Like that's interesting, but that's not what the show wants to get into.
1: (laughs) No, it's that it's, it's disparate people from different backgrounds that have all come together and they're all working now as a, a cohesive whole.
0: Yeah, how does this function exactly? Don't worry about it. It does. So it's just great. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, the Asadis basically now have kidnapped the pianist bannerman. They've brought him back to where, you know, the nebulous country they live in that's never quite – uh listed i believe that the closest we get is someone uses a slur for people from the middle east right. so we never quite know where they're from um but of course what do you do if you're from a nebulous country in the middle east and someone's stolen something from you what's the punishment for that jordan what's the most stereotypical thing you could think of
1: is it murder or is it they going to chop off a hand or something
0: they're 100 percent going to chop off his hand. yeah
1: yeah which you know someone was like this is the worst punishment for a classical pianist
0: That's absolutely. And, you know, someone was sitting and they're like, what I've heard around the streets (laughs) is that's what they do over there. Yeah. Well, if you get all your knowledge from Aladdin. Yeah. Anyway, but that's the threat anyway. It's like, are they going to chop off this person's hands if the embryos are not returned? This whole episode, too, there's this like, I barely caught it, but it wasn't until this moment. Like, there's this moment where near the end they're like we can't trace these video calls they're like coming through the satellites but we Mm -hmm. can't figure out where they're coming from and they're having like lunch and there's this moment where throw has this breakthrough he's just like wait what if we're having trouble tracing the video calls from earth because he's not sending them from earth he's sending them from the moon and i was just like wait this whole time you thought
1: he was on earth i'm just like the first place i would have looked was the moon for this man okay i thought it was just me i thought the exact same thing i was like why did we assume he was on earth i just assumed he was up there it was wild because they keep referring to these calls and how they
0: can't trace them and they finally like do this big reveal when we're like wait what if they're coming from the moon and i'm just like wait you guys thought they weren't coming from the moon the entire time you guys are terrible yeah it was a little bit of the the calls are coming from inside the house um but it's this late in the game is brought up so that they can basically send uh divas and shun off to uh to like start tracking down like where where are the calls coming from on the moon it's like oh this mining this mining uh cave on the moon is where the calls are coming from and then they also send nathan and kenzie down to earth to attempt to stop the Asadi's from cutting off bannerman's hands but they're just basically there to witness things so we have some window into what's happening with bannerman because the rest of this is just the divas and shun show Mm -hmm. they find this moon cave they go in divas divas is like i'll go in by myself because i guess he doesn't trust shun because she's a buddhist and a buddhist would never like kill a person so she can't be trusted to come into the cave
1: yeah i'm gonna say though if this is cheesy but i think this is a better plot line than the a plot of the pianist and the clone and stuff. The idea of a sort of bottle episode of these two characters learning to respect one another and seeing how their uh, differences create a better, stronger team, I think it's been done to death, but I think it's a more interesting episode of them traveling to stop this, you know, essential murderer than what they kind of give it, which is like the last five minutes of the show. And it's kind of like... He's a bumbling buffoon. So, because like, as you mentioned, he goes in to stop the guy, is immediately neutralized because you just need he to gets, get him he out. He gets
0: knockout sprayed immediately. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then Anna comes in and kind of is able to save the day despite her religious beliefs.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like, a better episode is Anna's first day on the job. Yeah. Anna's first day on the job is a great episode. But they don't really want to do that. I also liked when Divas is knocked out. I couldn't make heads or tails of this. But like, you know, he suits up in a full space suit to go into the space cave. We see him climbing down a ladder to the space cave, and then the clone with no spacesuit on at all, like, grabs his oxygen tube and just sprays knockout gas into it. I was just like, wait, why is Divas in a spacesuit?
1: <laughs> he just didn't realize that the guy had the environmental settings all good to go.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. But you're right. Uh, Divas is neutralized, so Shun has to go in and save the day, and she was forced to shoot and kill with one of their killer lasers, this man, and... It, it leads to this scene where, like, you know, Shun's a little shooken up, and Divas is like, no, you're a good cop. Thank you for saving us.
1: But but that scene didn't have any weight because they just gave no weight one, at all. one line before where they're like, she's a Buddhist She doesn't want to kill people. So you you were like, okay, where well, I see where this is going. But they didn't seed it at all. So it's just like, okay, who cares?
0: Well, and even after she kills the man, she's just like, well, I guess that's what I do now. Uh, good thing I saved the day and that embryo. So everything is solved. Mm-hmm. And the episode ends with the most bizarre scene (laughs) this show's ever done is nathan and kenzie are on their way back to the moon from earth on the on the classic moon shuttle you catch the moon shuttle back and kenzie is just having basically a little contemplation out loud about like the complications that would arise from cloning being available to the public and how are the police supposed to like identify suspects if you don't have suspects with the same genetic profile basically she's mm-hmm. just like wondering out loud like what the consequences of this are to nathan who is sitting next to her but nathan's giving her a really weird look the entire time she's he's, she's talking he's just like and then kenzie turns to look over her other
1: shoulder and nathan is also sleeping beside her
0: there are two nathans on this
1: shuttle yeah so she's basically thinking out loud about cloning and how crazy it could be and you know we could be doubled and not even know about it and then what we're supposed to believe as a viewer is that she forgot that Nathan was beside her and just started talking to another Nathan who, A, doesn't respond, and B, we don't see what the rest of the scene is. So seemingly, as this is never mentioned in the next episode, they just go on with their life and she doesn't mention it? Like It is truly, I think, a visual gag. This is just a yeah. joke at the end of the episode It's like...
0: Isn't it, wasn't it funny? She's worried about cloning. And there's a clone of Nathan sitting next to her. I'm just like, you guys can't do this kind of show and then also have this kind of day. Well,
1: it's. I said it before that this is almost a humorless show. But I'm going to say they tried a joke here. And the next episode is kind of also jokey. And it doesn't work at all. It just doesn't work with the tone. Uh, I just don't think it's the kind of humor that they need. But that scene is a perfect example of a scene that should have got cut out of a show it doesn't add anything it doesn't build on anything Joke's and it's not it,
0: that funny and it and it
1: throws the rest of the mythology of the show into a total tailspin yeah it's just like yeah it, it's just it doesn't work on any element but yeah we give like a gag that apparently there's a clone of nathan and he's perplexed
0: and uh you probably have read the same things so i've been doing a little more research as we've gotten later into the show but the creator of the show had intended to write all the episodes himself, but yes. as you said, there's a lot of problems with the producer. Like there are a lot of butting heads, a lot of like kind of creative arguments behind the scenes, and he ended up having to bring in more writers to like just make the deadlines. And like the la- like the last two episodes, this episode, I think the next, these are all written by different writers, and you can just tell that there was not a writers' room. There was just writing assignments because like this is why these things are suddenly becoming tonally
1: all over the yeah whole. the episodes almost seem like they're existing in a vacuum like the characters are there and they kind of look and act like the characters we've seen but the plot it's a, it's just a very different type of show
0: it is funny too and it really makes sense now having done these three back-to-back episodes where the theme seemed to be pick a culture stereotype it as much as possible yeah yeah so clearly someone got a write-up on an episode they're like you're doing an episode where we're gonna like explore the dynamics of this in the future and they're like gotcha what are what crazy things the middle east people do i'm on it (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah well said it's like so like i i went back and was looking like okay well at least this explains like why these episodes have become so tonally insane
1: yeah well any that's a good lead to our next episode which i think for all the reasons you mentioned is much worse than the one we just talked about
0: here is the IMDB summary for episode eight other people's secrets we
1: used to spend a lot of time in the garden hannah liked to prune everything but i liked it wild i liked
0: the feeling of things getting out of hand is that why you started tampering for things? Perhaps. I don't know anymore. Ever-increasing glitches and equipment failures around the moon base coincide with a safety inspection and lead eventually to a decompression emergency for the base. During the emergency, Nathan Spring and pal Kenzie are forced to spend time together, as does De- Colin Davis with his psychologist ex-wife. And that was courtesy of Gus F.
1: When I was a kid... And I'd be waiting for, you know, TV was different then. You'd have to wait a whole week for your new episode of the TV show. And I remember watching whatever show it might be, you know, really excited because it's now Thursday night and my show I like is on. And there would be nothing worse than waiting all week and you get to the new episode and it's a clip show. And I hated it. I hated it. It was just like, (laughs) oh, I can't believe it's a clip show. They're just wasted my time. And this episode, for all intents and purposes, at least for me, feels like a clip show, just minus the clips. That's what this is like. It's like a loosely thread, nebulous kind of episode, and it's just, it seems like there should be clips of, like, past adventures, but they just forgot to put them in. That's what this episode feels like to me.
0: That's an interesting read on it. I, I, I feel like you're on the right path with it. This one felt to me like an attempt at a bottle episode to talk, to show the inner workings of the moon base that they haven't done so far, but just, like, so poorly executed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> stay tuned. Here we go. <laughs>
0: As the episode begins, uh, we see Divas basically explaining to Kenzie what is going to be his B-plot for the rest of this episode. in that he is so randy. Just so randy, Jordan. Yeah, yeah he's non-stop. And it non-stop. is not an episode I wanted to get into. I don't care that Divas is horny. I don't want to watch an episode <laughs> about it. <laughs> but they have committed to this plot to yeah. being that's the sole thing. And he will spend most of the episode sexually harassing any female character who walks
1: by. <laughs> and it and it is a bit of a time stamp on the show because it's played for laughs it has not aged well but his character is essentially i'm you know it's it's time time again i'm going to keep trying and and something will hit
0: it's so gross too cuz it's it's not even he's not even subtle i think at some point he just like literally like flat out asks some
1: woman who's just like you want to play hide the sausage i'm like Ugh, no Yeah, he, he does that too to anna he's basically oh, right. he, he starts talking to her and she says she's like are you just asking me to have sex with you? And he's like, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Right now at work. Yeah. I was like, well, fire him on the spot. (laughs) The sexual dynamics of the workplace in the future have been very, uh, they've gone back decades. That's what we have to learn. The future is a bad place. Yeah. The future is a bad place. Um, Well,
0: this is kind of happening. The A-plot is a bit of a weird thing where there's a safety controller has come to the moon base basically to do an inspection. A man named Ernest Wolfhart, And, again, this is where this also makes the entire world confusing. It's just like it feels like he's there to do a safety inspection. And if they don't pass, space travel is canceled?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Which doesn't make sense. Like the moon base, what we've seen so far, is it is basically the main hub for like it's, it's somewhat like an airport any space shuttle that goes out into the world has to stop at the moon base before it goes to Earth or back out to space or to Mars or wherever. Like, it's not a place that would ever shut down. It's a important—like, it may have problems. It may be, like, poorly run. It may need upgrades. But there's no way it would get shut down.
1: This felt like a plot from—and excuse me, Luke, I can never remember the name of the shows we watched. It was one you hated really badly we watched in the previous season. It The show where the one guy has, like, a robotic ear and there's, like— <laughs> They're They're like a Rangers. R- a Space Rangers. This episode felt like a Space Rangers episode. Like it felt like it existed in that world because that was just something they were constantly talking about. They were sort of this blue-collar team that were always worried about their budget. And that's what this kind of episode felt like.
0: And, I, like, I, that's the thing. This is where I started. Like, a bottle episode about the inner workings of the space station could be interesting. And I'm fine with them all being, like, people who just come up there to work and it's a bit of a job to them. But the premise of it is, is just like, if the safety controller doesn't give you a passing grade, we're shutting down the moon base. I'm like, well, you're not. I like everything you've established tells me that's never going to happen.
1: <laughs> I like the idea, though, that you work there and the person's like, we're going to shut down this base if you don't uh, come to code. And you're like, no, no, you're not. And they're like, no, no, we are. You're like, no, you're not. And they go, oh, oh, oh I guess you're right. Yeah,
0: just like, this is meaningless. Like, I, I'll admit, like, we have, st- if you should find safety violations, but like the threat of uh, like, being shut down feels
1: not real. <laughs> although there's a weird uh i don't know c plot i don't know what part of the plot it is but we we're going to meet this as i mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast an engineering guy he's sort of like your uh, uh what's his name from deep space nine uh you o'brien yeah he's, he's your La Forge. yeah he's sort of like the the fix-it guy and for whatever reason his character because all of the male characters are like this in the show he's just super verbally abusive to his assistant at all scenes and spoiler he will not have any character arc between the beginning and the end he'll of the learn show. Nothing. He'll learn nothing. He'll stay a jerk. And that's just what he is. And he's just there to fix things and be angry about it and be verbally abusive to everyone around him.
0: Yeah, it's a weird thing that when we meet him, we meet him because like the radio in the Star Cops office explodes and they're like, ah, get this engineer in here and fix this. And he's with his assistant and he's just being really mean to her even though she's just trying to help to the point where I think he takes out a bolt gun and fires it at her head, and, yeah. like just as a threat. And the star Starcaps have to call him in and be like, you can't do that in the workplace, but you're not fired. I'm like,
1: no, he's he's fired. He just shot a deadly weapon at someone's face. The only realistic thing is that she like, quite literally goes to HR. She's like, guys, I can't work with this guy. I'm quitting. And they're like, no, no, we like him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Kravenko's like,
0: "Yeah, just take it a little longer. Just take his abuse a little longer. Yeah. But they, they attempt to soften his character by explaining that he's apparently... He's been the only engineer on the moon base for 3 months working 24 hours a day without a vacation or replacement. And like like not even 3 months, he's 3 months over what his contract was. And they haven't replaced him. They attempt to use that to explain his
1: behavior, but it never excuses it. Well, and it also doesn't make any sense. Why is the space station run that way? It no, like it doesn't they make any they've sense. never mentioned budgetary problems before, so it's just like we need this character to be really mean for no reason because it doesn't really uh progress the plot at all and it doesn't change the world. Like I just it, none of it made
0: sense. Yeah, it's a little it's a little messy. But the point is is he's working really hard because there's been all these malfunctions recently. Like yeah. as you meant as we mentioned, the radio exploded. You mentioned this briefly last episode, but there's this uh futuristic uh way of playing bridge. It's essentially like a tabletop arcade game you'd play Pac-Man on, but yeah. you'd use it to play bridge.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I like though that the, the, the um uh, The i don't know if it was set deck or props but they have like they're sitting at a table uh, sort of like a card table that has these weird towers for some reason and then in front of them is their cards like in a glass case but i was like "Uh, you can't access your cards i don't understand like it's like it just is i think
0: think this would be digital projections of cards you're looking at but it is all very it's it's the most complicated way of playing cards and It's like one use only. Like, it doesn't seem like you could play another game on this glass top arcade. It's just like, you only play bridge at this one.
1: It is a funny thing, though, when you see in these sort of science fiction shows or movies, the props and set deck when they do a really good job and and you don't need to know much about it. You're just like, oh, that kind of looks cool. You know, like, you know, like the 3D Star Trek chess or something. You're like, oh, that's a cool could be something. This is like this is just dumb. This no one gave any thought to what how this game would work. At any rate, that explodes at
0: some point. So yeah. there's, there's been an air, there's a wiring error with that. And uh, perhaps the one that they seem to think is the most funny the voice activated uh, beverage dispenser at some point apparently will either give you, uh, it'll, it's so miswired, it'll give you chocolate orange juice or it will spray your crotch with hot coffee.
1: Comedy. But it's off camera.
0: It is off camera, but we cut to a scene where they're like, can you believe it sprayed Divas' crotch <laughs> with hot coffee and everyone's just having a blast? Even Divas. Even Divas thinks that was the funniest thing that happened yeah, all day. They're like,
1: just not his crotch. That's all he needs.
0: <laughs> but essentially, all of this is not ideal for a safety inspection that's happening. So they're really, like, riding this engineer to fix these problems. And the engineer's name is Hooper, and he, uh, he starts, like, suspecting— And he tells the Star Cops as much. These malfunctions seem more like sabotage because they're just so insane. Yeah. And like to be happening so frequently. So the the Star Cops are like, all right, maybe it's sabotage. But we're a little concerned that you, Hooper, are doing it yourself. So we're going to pair an engineer with you. And since Thoreau, our other Star Cop, happens to come from an engineering background, he's going to be your new assistant.
1: Yeah. It's also because they just don't have anything to do with him. So they're like, we got to give this character some lines.
0: Yeah, so they, they've teamed those two up to like kind of look into what's happening on this base. Um, there's also another plot that's going to happen in this episode, and that is the uh, the moon base is going to host a psychiatrist who's coming to do research on, quote, space psychology.
1: Yeah, and it, I think they missed a turn here because it really should just been that life on the space station is a little bit more difficult than Earth because of, you know, the different High changes like, yeah exactly and it could have been that they just have a psychologist on staff that these people have to regularly uh, see and maybe like they were due for an appointment or something it was just like why, why even have That's this the other easiest way to handle that yeah
0: but not this not for not for star
1: nope. the easiest way isn't the simplest <laughs> way <laughs> no but then and we we're, i'm sure you're gonna say the whole point of bringing her on really is that we're gonna find out very soon that she's an ex-wife of colin exactly this this angela parr psychiatrist character she's she's
0: colin's ex-wife and uh she's she's coming to like i guess do interviews with all the crew of the space station if they volunteer and kravanko as coordinator tells nathan as boss of star cops all of your cops are forced to do to see the psychiatrist just to like get the ball rolling and a it's so that divas can have a moment with his ex-wife but b it's also so that we can see that I mean, every all the star cups are more or less cool seeing the psychiatrist, except Kenzie. And later, we'll just get the implication that Kenzie doesn't like psychiatrists because she had to see a lot of them in her youth and she doesn't trust them. But we don't get any more information that we just basically get Kenzie being mad that she has to see a psychiatrist, and she never sees. The well, that's
1: the thing. It's weird because not that it would have been handled that much with that much more nuance if we had learned, you know, they had tried to jam in this thing about her character in one episode. As opposed to have you know been seeding it through the last couple, but it was a weird plot line for her because we they don't teach learn anything. It so about much her.
0: you expect to pay off, right?
1: Yeah, and it's just like it's nothing. So what it quite literally is is we just need this character to do something. She needs some dialogue. So her thing, is she doesn't like psychiatrists. Why? Don't matter.
0: Yeah, that's it. She's just she's just mad that this has to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and what we'll see is eventually Divas, when his ex wife shows up, he'll just spend most of the episode trying to like wear her down to have sex with him. But I was also blown away, because the psychiatrist's ex-wife shows up, and she's shocked to find out Divas is one of the sarcoms.
1: Yeah. She knows everything about Nathan. She's done all her research on Nathan. Never bothered to see who works there. He was. You'd have to flip the page over, Luke. She only got to page one. <laughs> anyway...
0: Um, after a lot of just general like wandering around this moon base, just scenes of them, I don't know, doing whatever. Uh, we f- we get to see like weird scenes where like they go to the StarCop's uh, shooting range, well, that's I, which, which I like. I... That was my favorite part of the episode. It's it's just Nintendo's Duck Hunt with that... the same like flashy gun. Yeah, you yeah. You just see them shooting Duck Hunt basically.
1: I know it's I I couldn't figure out how that helped their sh- actual shooting unless they are only shooting two inch little uh, computer generated characters. How this is going to help them?
0: No, I don't know. And like they hang out at the the space diner a lot. They all eat at. We there's a scene where they go like I think Kravenko and the uh, safety guy go for a nice scenic moon buggy drive and go look out at like they go to make out point and look at the and look at the moon. Like and there's just like a lot of wandering around the moon in this episode.
1: This episode of all the episodes has the greatest sense of inertia. Just slowly 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 rolling down a hill but nothing nothing really taking
0: but when it finally when it finally all starts to coalesce into like a semi-coherent narrative thoreau has been doing his investigation into the sabotage with this hooper character like is it hooper is it not at some point thoreau finds a someone's wired a box into one of the control panels and he's just like this is so suspicious it's been coded to my voice exactly but we never get an explanation for why or what it was supposed to do. But he's just like, something's weird here. Clearly, there really is a saboteur. And it's at that moment, not that we see it on camera, but like wh- basically throws just like, I can't find Hooper. He's gone missing. And then Kruvenko's like, I can't find safety controller Wolfhard. He's gone missing. And we're like, oh, I guess it's one of them who's done it. Yeah. Cut to us literally just watching as an audience. Wolfheart sabotaging the station. I'm like, okay, well, there goes that mystery, too. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, and I think the point of the box, although they don't explain it, I think what it was supposed to be is, at least how I took it, was there's a lot of things on voice command, so it had Nathan's voice attached to it, and it it was like a brain that was slowly sending out signals to different parts of the ships to make things malfunction. That's what I thought it was supposed uh, to
0: be. Oh, could be. Uh, it, was, it was just, I, I couldn't quite sort of what they wanted me to get out of it, but the point is, is this safety inspector, Wolfhard, he's been the one sabotaging it the whole time. And in this particular case, it's revealed that he's also a very clumsy saboteur because he, like, drops his—I uh, he's using a screwdriver at some way. But let me ask you, does it make sense?
1: Does it make sense that he's the saboteur?
0: We'll get into it at the end. I'll, I I could not understand their explanation for why he's, why he's come to the moon base to inspect it and sabotage it. Yeah. At, when we finally get the reveal, though, he's got a— Screwdriver, He clumsily drops it down a shaft, which hits, I guess, a, a motherboard that explodes. And we get uh, some nice miniature work, but, like, basically the moon base decompressed. So, like, a door explodes yeah. off the side of the moon base. Oxygen's leaking out. All the, like, emergency doors are slamming. And we kind of get to the point, which you suddenly realize was the point of this episode, is that they're going to trap a few characters together to have heart-to-hearts, basically.
1: But this is, like, a good, I'd say, what, 35, 40 minutes into the episode?
0: Oh, yeah, this is, like, suddenly at the end of the episode, they get to the point of the episode and, like, give it 30 seconds of breathing room. Yeah. But, Davis and his ex-wife are trapped together in a room because it was his turn for a psychiatric exam, and he'll basically just spend the time wearing her down to have sex with him. And later, we'll just, someone will walk in when they save the day, and they're ha- busy having sex, and they're like, oops, sorry. So, it worked. It, it all worked out for him. It Good good for Na- for Divas. We finally get to the end of that B-plot. Um, the other people who are crapped together are Nathan and Kenzie get locked in a room. And as we've known from watching this show, they are always butting heads, those two. They can't see to eye to eye. Or maybe they're falling in love. Is that
1: what they're seeding? I'm not sure. I actually thought when they cut to the scene of the two people having sex, because you hear it, you don't see it, obviously. I thought it was Kenzie and Nathan at first. <laughs> oh, no. Because that's what I thought. Because I thought, I'm like, oh, that's what they're going to do. They're going to have this thing where... They're stuck. They think their lives are ending. They have this intimate moment because of the uh, uh, the pressure and the anxiety, and now there's sort of an awkward thing with them. That's what I thought they were doing, but it's like no, they Nathan like tells her about his dad, and it doesn't matter. That, Who cares? That
0: made me. That was the funniest part. I was like, they're trapped together, so you know, here comes confession time. Here comes a heart to heart, and I'm sitting there being like, now it's time for Kenzie to tell us why she doesn't like psychiatrists. Exactly wrong nathan's gonna confess something unrelated to anything and i'm
1: just like wait what but it doesn't matter he's like yeah my dad died or something i stopped listening so i didn't i don't i didn't even catch what it was i mean here's what it is i'll tell you what it is it's the background around his dad
0: who was as we know a really good computer salesman that's what they're gonna get into it's like my dad's (laughs) a really good computer salesman and then nathan basically tells a story about how the com the company his dad worked at had a someone on the inside basically stealing corporate secrets and i guess selling them and nathan's first job as a rookie detective was to solve the mystery of who's selling the computer secrets from his dad's company which sounds like a conflict of interest but whatever and nathan discovered it was his dad who was the inside man and he had to arrest his father so that's that's nathan's big confession is that at some point his dad was a criminal that he arrested
1: who like here's the thing again i didn't listen to it because i was so bored out of my mind but who cares what does it matter? It doesn't change anything. It well, doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't very, illustrate it doesn't anything, anything about his character. It doesn't, like, explain anything from previous episodes. It's just like, oh, here's some uh, adding to his character. Doesn't matter. So who cares?
0: No, I know. See, this seems like an episode onto it. If you want to do an episode where Nathan had to do something difficult in the past, like, that's an episode. Just build an yeah. episode around it. But, like, this is a throwaway line in an episode where I thought for sure this was going to be a reveal about Kenzie ha- coming in this confession moment unrelated to kenzie uh but that's that's what happens with them the rest of the crew is basically in the diner and they're all worrying about running out of oxygen and what we get for the rest of the episode is basically the uh, engineer hooper thoreau and that uh engineering assistant suddenly reappears after not being in the show for 40 minutes yeah and they're basically (laughs) running around the moon base in spacesuits patching up the space uh the station keeping the oxygen in and they're they're essentially saving the day like they they save the day everyone survives Somehow, even though it looks like Wolfhart asphyxiated,
1: they managed to save him in time. Well, that was, yeah, they show him sort of, like, passing out and seemingly dying in the tube Jeffrey's of some tubes. sort. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then they're like, oh, yeah, we were able to save him. It was good.
0: Yeah, we were able to save him. And we it leads to this final moment where, basically, Kravanko, because he's friends with the safety engineer, takes him out on another ride in a moon buggy. And I was so confused. I was like, is this a flashback I'm watching here? Because, like, this man's under arrest. He just... He just tried to kill you all, right? Uh, but I i don't know. It, it seemed like he was free to go. And they basically explain why he did it. And he, he's just like, well, my wife died a few years ago, and I've been really bored. And there's a line where he's just like, when, we, when my wife and I used to do gardening together, she liked things so orderly. I kind of liked them a little bit wild. So I guess that's why I tried to kill you all. And I'm like, wait, I don't... I just like, it seemed like they weren't going to punish him. And his explanation for why he like sat, why the safety inspector sabotaged the base was I was bored. I'm just like, I don't understand what happened at all in this episode. Yeah,
1: it wasn't good. Well, the whole, the whole episode, it doesn't feel done. Like none of their plots feel concluded. The actual plot of the episode doesn't make any sense. There's no motivation for anything. This was such a bad episode.
0: It was, it was really weird. It it felt like they want, yeah, like I said, it felt like they wanted a bottle episode where we got to learn about the characters, but then they didn't do that. And then the central mystery, the end was just like, it was a safety inspector for reasons. I don't know why.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. and And that's the episode. The end. What a way for this show to like crawl to the finish line. That's what it feels like to me. Like it's just, it hit a nice plateau and then it was just drastically dropping in quality as we get to the end of the episodes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's basically it. You want you want to rate these episodes then? Mhm. Let's go back to A Double Life.
1: Yeah, what do you think?
0: For me, it's a obviously a bad episode for sure, and it's just a continuation of kind of. It's like it's their trilogy of like what are what are other cultures we barely understand like in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's getting a little tiring. And here's the thing too. It's like the premise of a mystery where a person couldn't have done the crime but all evidence points toward them very simple very straightforward people do it all the time you can do a great job with it certainly in science fiction the clone mystery like who done it is is a good one and in this one too when they finally started you know when they finally got around to explain the clone i was like finally but i was like oh so what's going to happen is These two work together like you you work with your clone to pull off the perfect crime. That's like an interesting that could be an interesting episode. That's not what happens either. It's just like I didn't know I had a clone. He was working independently. So I'm innocent. And I'm like, oh, so this is all like it's the most boring end to the mystery, too. They never use any turns. It's all straightforward. I'm going to give it like I'm going to give it like to two, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm not too much higher. This all I really say is this episode seems like it was written by Alex Kurtzman uh so uh on that note i would was going to give it a four to ten uh but then that last scene was so incredibly stupid that it loses a point so it's three, oh, yeah. to, three to ten
0: yeah i it's uh i am maybe being harder on it than i need to be but i think just coming off the last two this is just a continuation of bad ideas and like yeah that last scene is insane i don't know all right uh, what do you want to give to uh, other people's secrets then
1: i would like to go even lower but i have to hold out hope for the last episode uh this was again this was so bad in every sense and in the worst uh, way to explain it it was remarkably boring it was so so boring because nothing mattered and no one cares two to ten
0: yeah i mean plot wise it's it's pretty bad it's a bad plot nothing really happens the diva subplot is like awful to have to witness uh I'll, I'll give it one thing. I enjoyed watching that stupid uh, that stupid bridge table definitely <laughs> to exist. I thought like, that was a funny piece of like set deck. I mean did. that's a sad compliment. I mean that's it. I mean I, the only thing I liked about it is I was like it's a good idea to show us how the moon base works for once. You just did a bad job doing it so I'm yeah. gonna give it I'm gonna give it a three
1: a three. oh so you think it was better than the last episode
0: I, I just I, yeah I at least wasn't I didn't have to like watch an annoying mystery where I knew the conclusion already
1: hmm, fair enough.
0: What I like, though, Jordan, is mm-hmm. we flip-flopped them that. It's two, we twos and threes, but we go the other way.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Those are both some pretty poor scores.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. But at least it puts us on path to the final episode
1: of Star mm-hmm. Cops.
0: We're on our way. It's been, a, it's, been a, it's been a real downhill slope, but we're,
1: we're, we're almost done. Yeah. Well, it, it's a shame because, you know, we won't need to drag this out too much longer, but there's definitely... Uh, something here, a nugget of a good idea. And again, I think the cast is good. I think the premise of the show is pretty good and there's a lot of areas to work with, but it just feels like whether it was uh, internal problems, you know, making things more difficult or just they just didn't have the resources needed to pull it off, the show is just not working. And at best, there's been a couple like glimmers of sparks of something, but it's just not working. Like I know people want to say it was as great, uh, cult classic that you know didn't get a chance but they did not earn a second season
0: yeah i mean i'm sure we'll talk a, b- a lot more about the show next episode i my thoughts on the show right now are basically i i get why it's a cult show like i 100 understand it's because somewhere in the base of this is like a really cool good idea like some interesting thoughts and it it, it sparks the imagination so what's why it stays in people's minds like because it's potentially a good idea yeah but it is not executed and i was even thinking about it because like i was like do we do a recast of this and i was just like you know what the show doesn't need a reboot because there's nothing here to reboot like i could see how this might inspire people to make new work with similar ideas but you don't need to remake the show like the 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 core of it's not good enough to remake the stuff you like about it is good and you can go off and make new stuff with it but uh, at the end of the day the show itself is like you don't need more Star Cops what you need is a better show with these premises
1: yeah yeah and on that note we're uh, one more episode to go well if you have any
0: thoughts on Star Cops you can email us at continuumdrag at gmail.com and of course on Instagram and Twitter we're gonna have some clips from these episodes so uh, exploding space station decompression uh, melting
1: embryos we got it all (laughs) well I don't know if we have it all but we have some
0: there's there's some good clips from these episodes I mean at least they're delivering on that that's true and you can find those at Continuum Drag as the handle there. But that wraps it up for this week. Thank you for joining us, listener, and we'll see you next week for the last Star Cops. One more.
1: Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dulick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.